At Northfield Savings Bank, we celebrate the ways you work and why you work. To build a business, to make a brighter future, to do something that matters. You don't do just one thing in your business, neither do we. Whatever your size, you have goals for yourself and those around you. Our commitment is helping you get there. Builders, makers, doers. Northfield Savings Bank. Find out more about us at nsbvt.com. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. The Brady Farkas Show is produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. The teams you care about. When you think about the Patriots' needs this offseason, look for one trait. Explosiveness. The stories that matter to you. I'm not convinced that Ben Shungu, that he's not the league player of the year. This is your home for New England sports. Bobby Dahlbeck playing third base this year? Now that is interesting. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEVAM FM and WDEVRadio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show on a Friday. We made it right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Com. Right now, we're scheduled to go up until 645. High school basketball takes over at that point. It's Thetford at Williamstown. Brent Curtis on the call there, courtside. We've got a lot to get to today. Some of it heavy, but all of it important. We do have some fun stuff, too. we got Taylor Coppenrath coming on the show at about 545, 550. Some stuff on Tom Brady and the Patriots, too. You're going to want to get in on this stuff. 802 585 3026. That's the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. They are your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. You can also get in on our Facebook live stream. So WDEV's Facebook page, check it out there. You can watch us streaming live. You can comment in real time. And by the way, if you tag a friend on the Facebook live stream, you're going to be eligible to win a $25 gift card to the Valley Bowl, which we're giving away next week. So a lot of different ways to get in touch with the show. Take note of them because you're going to want to. Again, we're going to start out here with some pretty important stuff. Let's get to it. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas show were brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and by Swanton Lumber. Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. Locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. Online at sticksandstuff.com. The University of Vermont and the University of Vermont men's basketball program, their reaction last night to some very serious allegations were disturbing. Now, usually I like to start the show with a take like that and then just kind of go. But this is so serious and this is so important that I want to really set the table and give you all the background information. You You know my thesis here. How the university and how the basketball program reacted last night and responded last night was disturbing. So everything I tell you, know it goes against the backdrop of that feeling for me. Here's the story. Here's everything in chronological order that we know. Yesterday afternoon, a post was put up on the Instagram account that's called Share Your Story UVM. Okay, Share Your Story UVM is the Instagram account. There was a post put up on that Instagram account yesterday afternoon in which a former UVM student made an allegation of sexual assault 
against a now former member of the men's basketball program. This accuser did not give her name. This platform does not require that. The men's basketball player was named. I'm not going to give it to you here. You can go see it for yourself. This person does not go to school anymore at UVM, but had been around the program for the last several years. So right off the bat, you had that allegation out there. Then, a few hours later, you had both the university's official Instagram account and the UVM men's basketball Instagram account. You had both of them issue the exact same response. Here is what it said in full, and I quote, The University of Vermont congratulates its men's basketball team on their sixth straight America East regular season title. UVM does not tolerate sexual misconduct and takes such accusations seriously. Incidents are reported through the Office of Affirmative Action and Equal Opportunity, where support and follow-up is provided promptly. Anonymous accusations are not helpful to victims or to anyone impacted by sexual violence. End quote. So that is the response from UVM, at, from UVM the, the college's official Instagram page, and the men's basketball Instagram page. Then, so we get that statement. The school, late last night, deleted their post off Instagram. The men's basketball program kept theirs up through the night and deleted it this morning. And then, finally, an email was sent out to the campus community today basically saying that we as a university are aware that our response wasn't received how we meant and that we're working on it and allegations are taking seriously, etc. So that's the story in chronological order. Allegation made, response issued, university retracts its, res retracts its response first, program does so this morning, and then a follow-up email to the campus community today. 802-585-3026, Facebook Live also open too. There's a lot to say here. There's a lot at play here. And I'll just go back to my initial thought right off the top. The responses from the university and from the men's basketball program and their Instagram accounts really, really bother me. Really bother me. Both the original responses and the most recent email to the campus community. Look, I certainly don't know what officially is true and what is not, but I do know this. I know that allegations of sexual assault against a former player are a damn serious allegation. And I also know it's not the first time an allegation has been made on that page against members of the UVM basketball program who have been there within the last couple of years. And in your first statement, your very first response to those allegations, both the university itself and the men's basketball program's page elected to do what? Congratulate the team on its on-court success. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Completely inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. And I'm really upset and I'm really disappointed that that was the reaction. It's almost like you're laughing in the face of the accuser by pointing out and saying, hey, look how good we are on the court. That's what matters. We don't want to take away from how good we are. Your allegation, eh, that, that's secondary. We're really good on the court, and we just won our sixth-rate title. That is so far from the story here, it's not even funny. And the university and the program needed to have recognized that and not essentially laughed in the face of the accuser. So that's one. And then 
two, at the end of their original statement, the school and the basketball program have the same statement up. They say, quote, anonymous accusations are not helpful to victims or anyone impacted by sexual violence. I mean, I mean, what are we really doing here? What are we really doing here? Look, I understand that there are times in life where accusations and allegations are false and you want to guard against that. So I don't know, maybe that's what they're trying to do by saying they're not helpful. But I mean, come on. I can imagine, and I can only imagine, that there's plenty of survivors out there who don't feel comfortable coming forward, who don't feel comfortable putting their name to it, who aren't ready to go to the police or aren't ready to go to a university administrator or aren't ready to go public with this at all. And the only thing they feel comfortable doing is posting something anonymously. And basically, by the university saying not to do that, you're discrediting what they are saying and the pain that they're alleging that they went through. UVM did not need to say that. They didn't need to congratulate the team. They didn't need to say uh, anonymous posts are not helpful. They just needed to say they take the allegations seriously and they don't tolerate sexual violence of any kind. That is all that mattered. The sixth straight America East title, that right at the top. I mean, talk about not reading the room and talk about not acting like you give a damn. That's exactly what that sounds like. Hey, serious allegation, but by the way, we're still really good. That That is completely inappropriate. And then at the end, to say that these accusations or these, these tips rather are not helpful to anyone, they very well might be helpful to the person who it allegedly happened to, who this might be their only way of conveying their feelings or conveying their experience. And then today... 20 hours later, the university got it wrong again. They put in their new statement, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially, sorry to anyone who was offended, as opposed to simply saying, sorry for what we said. Sorry that what we said was wrong. Sorry that we uh, put the wrong thing first. Sorry we didn't do right by our students. Sorry we, we didn't do right by our campus community. You could have been sorry for a number of things, but the thing you chose to be sorry for was that we didn't take it the way you attended, intended. That also is not right. 20 hours later, and how many people saw that release before it went out and approved it, I can't get my head around that. They got it wrong yesterday, and they got it wrong today. And then finally, just out of pure curiosity, this is just pure curiosity for me, I'm curious as to why UVM responded in the first place. I'm curious why UVM responded in the first place. They issued a bad response. They issued a response that angers me and upsets me. But why did they issue a response in the first place? There's been multiple allegations on that site over the last year against different players, and UVM has never responded. There was an article in the Burlington Free Press about swimmer Kendall Ware alleging she was raped, and I don't remember a response to that. Why did this particular allegation trigger a response? I, that I don't know, and I don't think we'll ever get the answer, but it is a curiosity that I have. There was a 
kind of a blanket athletic department statement that came out last May. Remember when those protests were going on on campus right around the time the school year ended last year? There was a blanket athletic department release then that went out. I haven't. That's the only comment I've ever seen that I know of. I'm not saying it's the only one, but that I have seen. And I feel pretty plugged into this stuff. The only comment I've ever seen UVM issue was that generic athletic department one from last May. This one. Why this one? To elicit a response. Not a good response. The wrong response. An inappropriate response. A misguided response. But why did they issue a response nonetheless? And then, lastly for me, I think I said lastly the last time, but one more. That's multiple allegations against men's basketball players over the last couple of years. And that really bothers me, and that really saddens me. First and foremost, it bothers me and saddens me that this kind of thing happens in society, period. It happens. It bothers me and saddens me that people have to go through something traumatic and then live with something traumatic and then have something traumatic that allegedly happened to them discounted by people in power. So that's first and foremost. That is always going to be the top story here. But if you're asking me purely, because this is a sports show, if you're asking me purely about the basketball side of things, then I'm bothered that we're not getting to talk about how good this team is and how likable this team appears to be. And the people that at least I have seen publicly named are not part of this team or are not playing on this team. There's a lot of great stories on this team. and There's a lot of great players on this team. And we're not talking about them because we're talking about this problem that evidently is pervasive in society, is allegedly pervasive at the university, and has been pervasive through the program. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired that victims have to live through that. And I'm tired that that is the story. And again, if you're asking me to separate my real-life emotions from just my job of talking about sports, I'm disappointed that we don't get to focus on the good in this program or the good on this team and that rather we're having to talk about this other stuff. The victims, the alleged victims, the accusers, the survivors, they are always going to be the story. And we have an obligation to talk about that too. And that is the most important thing. But again, if you're asking me about just purely basketball, this team has a lot likable about it. And now today, we're not talking about it because we're talking about this. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Uh, someone says, Brady, you are spot on. Serious issues here. Going over to Facebook Live. Let's see. Frank says that should have been two separate posts, meaning about the um, the congratulate the program on the championship and then the sexual assault um, allegation post. Barb says it was a former player and an anonymous accuser. What should the university, what was the university supposed to do? Um, well, I would say, number one, if you're going to respond, respond better than that. And if you are not going to respond, like you haven't responded in the past, I, I mean, look, it's, I, I don't want to say just not respond. I don't want to say that. But you haven't responded in the past. So if you wanted to stick with the status quo, I guess not respond. But if you're going to respond, then respond in a serious and compassionate light that um, shows that you care. We get another message that says, 
Um, you know, you're right about this. This is a PR uh, fiasco. So there you go. We'll have more on this. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Taylor Coppenrath, former UVM basketball player, is going to join us here momentarily on the other side of this commercial break. I've got a quick story about this interview before we get to it. I'll tell you what that is. That's next on DEV. Now more than ever, Vermonters are eager to get out and about. And Vermont's outdoor recreation businesses and organizations are here to help. They build and maintain the trails we walk and ride. They grow and sell the local food that keeps us going and make and sell the gear that keeps us strong and safe. The Vermont Community Loan Fund is here to help Vermont's outdoor rec industry with our new Trails Loan Program, supporting outdoor recreation and those who make it possible. Trails offers financing and free business resources to help Vermont's trailblazing outdoor rec community grow stronger and more sustainable, generating jobs and energizing our rural economy. The Vermont Community Loan Fund, for over 30 years, Vermont's nonprofit business lending partner. Learn more about Trails and our other business lending programs at investinvermont.org. That's investinvermont.org. Bargain Hunters, the Trading Post online marketplace is where you can get deeply discounted deals. Massages, memberships, Vermont flannel gift cards. Right now, get a $25 gift certificate to Valley Bowl and Randolph for $20, a $50 gift certificate to Twin City Family Fun Center for $40, and a Modio Rec one-year family membership valued at over $500 is just $350. Find a full listing of these deals and more at WDEVradio.com. Make your opinion heard by texting onto the Brady Farkas Show at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Taylor Coppenrath is arguably the best player to ever wear a UVM basketball jersey. He is among the most decorated players to ever wear a UVM basketball jersey. He had his number retired a couple of years ago. The news came out this week that later uh, this spring, in April, Taylor Coppenrath is going to be joining the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. He's been being elected or he's been elected, he's being inducted, rather, into the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. He's a Catamount great. He's a Vermont native, played at St. Johnsbury Academy as a West Barnet native. I, I have Taylor Coppenrath coming on here momentarily, but I want to be transparent here. Taylor Coppenrath and I taped this interview in advance. We taped this yesterday afternoon. We taped it before any of the stuff that we just talked about came out. I still want to play the interview because he's a hometown hero on multiple fronts and because... This is a great week for him personally, and I believe that he deserves to have that recognized. But I want you to know we taped it in advance for the following reasons. If you're wondering why in the interview I talk so glowingly about the program after just having talked negatively about the program, that is why. It's taped in advance. At the time we taped, we did not know any of the things that we just talked about. If you're wondering why in the interview he waxes poetic about the program and how great the program is, understand he also did not have any idea about these allegations at the time that we taped and if you're wondering why I had no questions about this or made no passing mention of the allegations in this interview that is why we did not know about them yet so um, again if you're wondering Brady how could you have talked you know what you just talked about and then and this you know a few minutes later talked good about the program 
It's taped in advance. We taped it yesterday, and uh, none of this was out yet. So here's my interview with Taylor Compenrath, former UVM basketball star. Again, West Barnet, Vermont native, St. Johnsbury Academy standout. I started out simply by saying, Taylor, congratulations. Thanks for being with us. How are you? Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing well. Appreciate you being with us. Kind of take me through the moment you got the call. Were you expecting it? Where were you? What was it like? So, yeah, they uh, let me know that I would be uh, was going to be in, inducted into the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. And obviously, um, you know, very similar to the UVM, but this is the entire state. So another very unbelievable honor um, to be, you know, obviously selected um, into the Hall of Fame for, for the entire state of Vermont. Um, you know, especially it means a lot um, being a, born and raised in Vermont. So um, just another added uh, bonus. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, we see people with UVM ties. You know, Tim Thomas is going in this year in your class. Martin St. Louis is in. But you know, expand upon that thought of how much it means to you to be a native Vermonter, play in Vermont, and now get this honor. You know, I think it's always just a little bit more special. I mean, at least for me, I mean, I'm sure it's just as special when you're, you know, noted for the play at UVM. But for me personally, just it means a, a ton. You know, I don't think uh, Vermont is always looked at as, you know, one of the top states for, for basketball necessarily. You know, I think um, we have a lot of other uh, inductees that were, you know, winter sports and I think some skiing and coaching and stuff like that. Hockey, obviously, is another big one. So, you know, when we, when I first got to UVM, you know, basketball was just starting to, the men's team was just starting to kind of make some moves and and make some progress. And just being from Vermont just adds a little bit more, especially for me, um, you know, growing up in a very small town. You know, I, I really want other people to just realize that, you know, no matter where you come from in, in Vermont or even if it's anywhere else in a small town, that you have just as much opportunity, you know, if you work hard and are open-minded to criticism and critique. And You know, we see where the program is at now. You know, just clinched the sixth straight conference tournament, or the conference title, rather, for the regular season. You won three of them. You were at the, the, the front end of this uh you know, this great 20-year run that UVM has been on. What was it like to be a part of the building process that allowed us to get to what we see today? I just feel very blessed and fortunate. You know, I mean, we just had such a incredible coaching staff. Um, you know, the student-athletes, my teammates, you know, we weren't overly showy, you know. I mean, we had our moments here and there, but you know, we just had to grind things out, you know, and um, kind of reminded me of, of sometimes those uh, stereotypical Vermonters, you know, where you're not always necessarily doing the most showy things, but, you know, when the time comes, you just work hard and you get you get the job done. And, um, you know, my teammates were incredible. I mean, we had two, you know, myself and TJ, who scored over 2,000 points at the same time, you know, which is pretty incredible. Um, and, and no egos, you know what I mean? We just, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew that we, once we got the first taste, you know, of the tournament, you know, I think every year, 
that was our goal, uh, no matter what, was to get back there and win those championships. And every year, Coach Brennan would be like, oh, well, we won again, but it's going to be 10 times harder next time, you know, because every time you win, teams are going to be, you know, you you got the target on you, you know, so you're the team to beat. And it was just uh, incredible. And to see where the program has continued is, is amazing. And, you know, I've watched uh, the last few years and seen Ryan Davis kind of reminds me a lot of myself, you know, where he can score outside and has good fundamentals, good hands, footwork around the basket. So, you know, it's very, very nice to see kind of that, that come back around. We're talking with Taylor Coppenrath here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. The West Barnet native, the UVM product going into the Vermont Athletics Hall of Fame, which is coming up, uh, the ceremony is coming up on April 30th. You know, you mentioned Ryan Davis. I think that is a good comparison between you two, but I want to ask you about Ben Shungu, a guy who is another Vermont product who, you know, played at Rice and has now become who what I think is going to be the player of the year in this conference as someone who knows what it's like to be from Vermont and build up in Vermont against all those you know the thoughts against Vermont high school hoops and you know just kind of speak to the work that he has done to get to this point oh I think you know just like any Vermonter I feel like you're kind of expected or you know they kind of expect that you are going to be successful but that's not not always the case so you know the work that he has put in you know, I think he started out as on the team, not not sure offensively where his game would take him, but um, I know in high school he was an incredible um, scorer and defender, and he just continued to improve in both those areas throughout his career. And now he's been established as, you know, kind of down at the wire. Who do you go to? You know, he can get to the, he can get to the hoop. He can shoot outside, and he can lock you up on defense. You know what I mean? So, not an easy matchup, but uh, for any team. But he's he's done incredible, and it's always nice to to see those Vermonters that come in, work hard, and continue to have that success. You know, because you know nothing's guaranteed, especially at the D one level. You know, you you might be good in high school, but you got to keep improving and. That's what he's done. You know, it's hard to believe that that win over Syracuse was 17 years ago. Really hard to believe <laughs> that. I think it's time for uh, for UVM to make another tournament memory here. What do you think about their chances this time around? I would say, you know, if uh, they can stay healthy and, um, you know, just I just hope that they have that confidence to keep going and, you know, win those games and just, you know, it's one thing believing – and you just got to trust in, in those moments that got you there and trust in your teammates. And I would say not worry about making, like, the big plays. Just focus on basically what got you there. You know, that's what we did. We just focused on, like, we're not going to go out there. We're not going to just assume that we're going to make every shot. We're not going to assume, you know, that we're going to win just because we're Vermont. We just went out there and, you know, grinded out. We had to play defense move the ball around, get the best-looking shots available, and if that's what gets you there, then you know, that's what you have to rely on. Your teammate, TJ Sorrentine, is the associate head coach at Brown. These two teams played each other earlier in the year. How weird was it to see TJ going against the Catamounts, and who were you rooting for? <laughs> yeah, I ended up watching that game on, on TV, 
and um, you know it's always interesting to to watch him. And uh, one of our our jerseys were um, retired. You know they had that game and ceremony, so that was also kind of an interesting to, one to watch. Um, but they had a good team, um, you know. And I I was re- rooting for UVM just you know because I don't have the that that connection that he has obviously with with Brown. But um, you know I thought that it was a good game. Um, little bit of turnovers brown never never gave up but um i'd be interested to see who he uh roots for but i think i know the answer (laughs) if he wants to keep a job i'm sure (laughs) well he said it was a weird he said it was a weird experience but it was a fun experience so uh taylor Taylor, we appreciate the time and congratulations vermont sports hall of fame the ceremony is coming up at the end of april you and several other worthy candidates are going in appreciate your contributions to uvm appreciate your contributions to the state i know you've done some coaching at the high school level in the past as well and uh so i'm sure the good work will continue we appreciate the time all right thank you absolutely there goes taylor coppenrath former uvm basketball star and vermont native and now soon to be one of the newest members of the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. Again, that interview was taped in advance. We did tape it yesterday, and that is why, uh, if you are just joining us, there was no mention of the allegations made last night in which we started off the show talking about. So the full interview with Taylor Coppenrath is available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. Because it was taped in advance, it's already up on our podcast channel, and you can go find it there, Taylor. Certainly... uh, one of the titans of the program. I mean, you're talking about probably, you know, I wasn't here for Taylor Coppenrath. I mean, I'm not old enough to have watched him play all the time. I know the legend. I've seen the highlights. I watched the 0405 game against Syracuse. I've heard the commentary. He is the greatest player in program history, I'm sure, but I can't tell you by how far and away he is. But uh, certainly a great guy. Congratulations to him on the honor. And we'll look to have some more of the uh, coming up, this class of inductees going in as well. Brady Farkas show continues on right now. High school basketball comes up at about 645 here on WDEV. When we come back, we'll step out of the UVM story. We will get back into it before the show ends. But is Mac Jones going to regress? One prominent Patriots insider says, yeah, he thinks so. Are we buying that? That's next on the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM, FM, WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Reminder, you can subscribe to the full show podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Just search for the Brady Farkas Show. You can follow us there. It's free to do so. High school basketball tonight scheduled for 645. It is Williamstown hosting Thetford. Brent Curtis will be on the call. You know, we've been talking a lot for the last several months, but for the last couple of days in particular here, we've been talking a lot about Patriots quarterback Mac Jones. And a lot of you, and I hear it from you, a lot of you think that I am too hard on Mac Jones. Well, here was an interesting comment made yesterday by former Patriots tight end, WEEI radio host, and Super Bowl champion Christian Fourier. Here's what he had to say about Mac Jones. I am projecting my analysis at the end of uh, all my homework that I did over the last 30 minutes proves that he is going to regress. And I think you should just expect it. In the most important thing, leave out injuries to him, leave out injuries to others. Forget about the fact, maybe they don't bring anybody in. 
the coaching is going to take a significant drop. Like, we're crazy if we think that anyone they bring in is going to be better than Josh. Before we get to the exact question of will Mac Jones regress, I think the back half of Christian Fourier's point is actually more interesting. The point he made about the coaching turnover. This is what I've been telling you for several weeks now. The offensive coordinator position for the New England Patriots is huge for Mac Jones. You have to, number one, make a hire. And number two, it has to be the right hire. Because Mac Jones' growth and Mac Jones' development, they are too important to play games with. The coaching thing, it really does matter. I, th- I think a lot of people are out there like, oh, as long as Belichick's there, everything's good. No, not necessarily. You need somebody who you can trust, who Mac Jones can trust, who can communicate, and who can help him grow. That is what you need. It's hugely important. And I agree with Fourier. You're not going to get somebody as good as Josh McDaniels. There aren't, you know, you know, 12 year offensive coordinators just hanging around out there that are available. Some Josh McDaniels knows Mac Jones well, relates to Mac Jones well, works well with Bill Belichick. You're not going to find somebody who has that experience and that institutional knowledge that McDaniels brought to the table. I didn't always love McDaniels' play calling early in my radio career. Last couple of years, I really started to appreciate what he was doing. And while I don't think I would have hired him, in fact, I've said it many times, I wouldn't have hired him as a head coach, and I think the Raiders made a mistake as an offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, he is a home run. And when you lose that home run, something is going to be different. And there is a chance, significant chance, that things are going to suffer. So I am with Fourier. There's going to be a coaching slip. So you have to do your very best to minimize what that coaching slip is to the best of your ability. You've got to hire a good offensive coordinator, and they've got to hire the right offensive coordinator. So I'm in total agreement with Fourier about coaching mattering. And now my question for the room, 802-585-3026, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, as well as the Facebook Live crew. Do we actually think that Mac Jones is going to regress? I think the coaching is going to matter, as Fourier said. But do you actually think that Mac Jones next year is going to regress? I Honestly, I sit here today, February 18th, 6.09 p.m., I don't really know how I feel about that question. I always like to come in well-researched and well-prepared and what I think is well-opinionated. And I want to be interesting for all the listeners out there. This one, I'm straddling the fence on. I don't really know. I don't really know if Fourier is right and that Mac Jones will actually take a step back. Look, my issue with Mac Jones is I've always thought he's not going to get appreciably better I've never really thought about him getting demonstrably worse. And that's kind of where I'm at. I've always assumed, I've, always, I've been using this analogy a lot lately, and I think I'm going to keep using it. The video game analogy. You know, you play, you get a Madden video game, and every quarterback, every player has a rating, has a number rating between 0 and 100. I think Mac Jones came in this year at a 73. I just assume that by next year, He'll be a 76. Like, if Joe Burrow came in at a 73, 
He's now an 86. I think Mac Jones is going to go from 73 to 76. I don't think there are huge, massive jumps in Mac Jones and for Mac Jones, but I've never thought about him getting worse, and that is what Christian Fourier is telling you is going to happen. I, I'm on the fence about this one. I think that Mac Jones is going to be better himself. Again, percentage points better, but I think he'll be better. But I also can't promise you that the team is going to be better, and I hope that makes sense. I think that Mac Jones is a really hard worker, and I really respect his work ethic, his drive, and his dedication. No, I don't think that he's Russell Wilson, and yes, I would trade him for Russell Wilson tomorrow, but I really respect Mac Jones' hustle, his grind, and his work ethic. I think he's going to spend the offseason working on his body. I think he'll get stronger. I think he'll lose some of the baby fat. I think he'll get a little bit quicker. Maybe he'll get a little more zip on his arm. He'll have a year under his belt mentally of how to dissect and decode things. I think he'll work on his diet. I think he'll be a better leader, and I think he'll be a better communicator with his teammates. I think that Mac Jones next year will be a better player. I can't promise you that that translates, though, into more Patriots wins. Mac Jones might be better, and the Patriots themselves might regress. There's too many unknowns as far as how he will play. The schedule is different right now. Again, you know, I railed on this yesterday, at least as of today. Their schedule looks harder for next year than it did this year. They have nine road games next year versus eight home games. And for all I know, they're going to get sent to Germany for one of those games. So the schedule appears to be harder. The guys on his team will change. What happens with injuries? What happens with the opponents? So I think this is a tough question. But if I'm, as I thought about it, I came to the conclusion, I think that Mac Jones is a better version of, of himself next year. But I'm not ready to commit and say the Patriots are going to be, be much better. I mean, my goal, right? The Patriots win 10 and 7 this year. My goal is that next year they go 12 and 5. And that Mac goes from that 73, goes to that 86. That's the goal. I don't see that happening for Mac, and I can't promise you that the team is a lot better. Buffalo's still really good. They're going to see them. I mean, I'm thinking about the Patriots' schedule. And again, this is a fool's errand trying to do. But Buffalo, you're going to see them twice. You know that. You're going to see the Char... No, you're going to see the Raiders. That game's out in Vegas. You're going to see Josh McDaniels. I mean, you're going to see the NFC... Uh, let me see here. You're going to see the NFC North. You're going to see Green Bay. and Maybe Aaron Rodgers is there. I, the schedule appears to be harder. I just don't know that the Patriots themselves are going to be a whole lot better. Um, all right. Unnamed texter says, Mac Jones will be better in Belichick we trust. I hope that you are right. I hope that you are right. Uh, one other Patriots note here. This one comes from Mike Giardi of the NFL Network who covers the Patriots. It's going to take me a moment to get to the exact spot here. Let's go here. He pay, uh, he's talking about the Pats' offseason priorities. Edge player, he'd be a nice pair with Matthew Judon. that the Patriots need. Now, the other thing I'll say that we didn't talk about from the offensive side of the ball is the idea, and this is something that's being discussed internally, is that maybe, just maybe, now's the time to go get a number one receiver. Mac Jones had a really good year with a supporting cast of receivers, but they don't have that definitive number one, and it would sure be nice to see Mac grow with someone like, say, Josh Allen has grown with Stephon Diggs, as you see Joe Burrow growing with Jamar Chase. That might be something that the Patriots look to here in the future. Yeah. 
All right, we will get to that in a second. Giardi saying they need a number one receiver potentially. Travis gets in on the text line. I don't want to get too far away from Mac Jones. He said, I'm with you, Brady. I have Seattle on line one to see if Russell Wilson is available. When I watch Mac Jones, I see Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins. Good, not great. Great is Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, etc. Thank you. You're n- now maybe some people are starting to come over to my side. Mac Jones is good. Jared Goff was good in L.A. Got to a Super Bowl. Didn't win it. Kirk Cousins has been pretty good. Pro bowler. Never been to the Super Bowl. Never been to a championship game. Ryan Tannehill just got the number one seed in the AFC. Got bounced in the first round. Never won. Or got bounced in his first game. Got to an AFC title game. Got beaten by Patrick Mahomes. Good. Pretty good. Is not good enough. Not in the NFL. Not today. Not consistently. That's what matters. you got to be special. Russell Wilson's still special for at least the next couple of years. All right. On to Giardi's point about potentially getting a number one wide receiver. Uh, Ding, ding, ding. Like, that's music to my ears. The Patriots 100% should be getting a number one wide receiver. I'm operating under the assumption the team is going to stick with Mac Jones, right? Like, as much as I would move off of him, they're going to stick with him, I'm sure. They have to know he's not Aaron Rodgers. They have to know he's not Justin Herbert. He's not going to turn chicken blank into chicken salad. He's going to need some serious help. He's got the two running backs. He's got the two tight ends. He's got some good receivers. Now he needs a great receiver. Going to get the number one receiver, that to me is priority number one for this team. I said it to you yesterday. We'd all love to have a great defense. We would all love that. But right now, if you could give me a choice of great defense, average offense, or great offense, average defense, I would take the great offense. And the Patriots are a hell of a lot closer to having a great offense than they are a great defense. Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson's a good one-two punch. Maybe they bring James White back. Maybe they draft a scat back. Then they could have three viable running back options. They've got Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, and a good offensive line. They've got Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, good possession receivers. Aguilar can still stretch the field. He's going to need some help, and I'm here to give it to him. And for me, that is the move. Giardi's right. The team is, if they're talking about it, keep talking about it and do it. Number 21 pick in the draft. Make it happen. If you keep that pick and don't trade it for Russell Wilson, draft a wide receiver, number 21. Make it happen. Big, physical, and I'm talking 6'4", and chiseled, and can win in the red zone, and can run deep down the field. We see these players come out now every year. You've got to have one of them. Jamar Chase, difference-making wide receiver. DK Metcalf, difference-making wide receiver. You've got everything else. You've got all the help that Mac Jones needs. Good running game, physical offensive line, two tight ends, and now you would have the possession receiver, the intermediate receiver, the deep threat, the home run. That's what you need. If Mac Jones is going to be the guy, then Mac Jones needs a whole lot of help. I mentioned Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Look, best running back in the league in Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. I mean, they went and got him Julio Jones. They got the number one seed. And even though they choked, they ultimately did at least get there. And if Mac Jones can get there, then we give him a chance. And that's all you can ask for is give the guy a chance. 
I see all these mock drafts, and I hate mock drafts this early. The draft is two and a half months away. I hate mock drafts this early. I see all these mock drafts. Patriots taking a DB. Patriots taking a linebacker. They need all that stuff, but they need a top-flight wide receiver more. They don't have the money to sign Devontae Adams. They're not going to get him. They're not going to trade. You know, Odell Beckham is now hurt. He's going to be out for maybe the entire season. So the difference maker on the free agent market, that's not there. Get the difference maker in the draft. The, the team talking about it, it's the right move. Keep talking about it and then pull the trigger and do it. I see people ask me, like, what would my draft strategy be for the Patriots? Draft a wide receiver, number one, at pick number 21. You also, in my opinion, somewhere need a pass catching back. I love James White. I'm not bringing him back. 30 years old, coming off a serious hip injury. I'm not bringing him back and relying on him. I need my Alvin Kamara, Darren Sproles type. Because if Mac Jones isn't going to be a guy who necessarily throws it vertical, I need as many options as possible. And the guy who can take the dink and dunk and then turn it into something vertical, I need that. I think the Patriots need a vertical home run threat. I also think they need a scat bat as, back. As many playmakers as possible that can do things with the ball in their hands. Mac Jones, to me, is not going to be a guy consistently who just Josh Allens it down the field. Play action, deep post, let a guy take a 30-yard pass and turn it into 65. Why uh, Running back screen, take a dump off four yards, turn it into 17. I would draft those two positions, wide receiver first, scat back, third or fourth round, and you can spend the rest on defense if you want. But the high leverage picks, the high leverage pick, number one, that's got to go offense as far as I'm concerned, and it's got to be a wide receiver. Uh, Joe and Richmond, I would love to somehow see the Patriots sign off or pull off signing Devontae Adams. He would be great for Mac. Yes, he is great. If, if, if the Patriots could get Devontae Adams, I would do jumping jacks. I would do somersaults on the air. I wouldn't even talk. I would just do somersaults around the studio. I don't think it's going to happen. Money-wise, it's going to be tough. Now, you can finagle the cap, but money-wise, that would be tough. And would Devontae Adams want to come to Foxborough? Would Devontae Adams want to be a guy who gets the money, but then, you know, doesn't get the love that Aaron Rodgers gave him? I don't know. I don't know. The one thing about two trying to sign a, a wide receiver, well, we know what Mac Jones is, and we know right now, at least today, it's a run first team. And do guys want to sign up for that? Maybe the money dwarfs everything, but I'd rather draft the wide receiver and get him at a bargain, you know, get him at the bargain rate for the next couple of years. All right. It's Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Com. Someone wants to know about baseball and what the, what's happening there. I've got a little insight on that as well coming up in a couple of minutes. But now we're going to get to who's saying what and who's saying what deals with Tom Brady. And on this level, we've heard a lot of noise about Tom Brady this week, actually. So we've heard about him never say never on him coming back. Then I heard a prediction that Tom Brady plays for the 49ers next year. Then I heard a reminder that Tom Brady... Actually, his contract is still owned by the Buccaneers, and they'd have to be willing to trade him. And then I read today that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians were clashing over game planning and that their relationship was souring. And then I had this from Dominique Foxworth, former NFL 
defensive back. This is Who's Saying What, brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash, the home of unlimited car washes, beginning at just $20 a month. One free car wash. Listener just needs to text the word Vermont to the number 30 and then 400. I don't think you could win a Super Super Bowl in those circumstances. Mm. Like, I think Tom Brady <laughs> would come back, and I think Tom Brady would be terrible. I just have to be honest with you. I think that's what happened. I think Tom Brady's incapable of entering a season at Week 8 and leading a team to a championship. All right, so Foxworth says that Tom Brady could not come out of retirement midseason and win a Super Bowl and says he would be terrible. I, terrible is too strong, but I actually think that Dominique's, Dominique Foxworth is a lot closer to right than he is to wrong. I don't think he'd look like the GOAT. I said this a week ago. Tom Brady prides himself on outworking people. He prides himself on off-season preparation, his team building, his meetings with receivers, the routes that he runs, his study habits. And if he signs on randomly in the middle of a season without having done all that stuff, I just don't think that Tom Brady is setting himself up for the success that he is used to having. I mean, he needs that stuff. He believes in that stuff, not only in the taking care of his body, but in the taking care of his teammates and his relationships and all that and building that stuff. That's why he would throw routes with Julian Edelman. It's why he'd invite Danny Amendola out to Montana to throw with him on some ranch and run routes. I mean, Tom Brady needs that stuff, he thinks, to be successful. And just showing up week eight without ever having met his teammates, I'm not buying that. Like, if he is going to play, he's got to play right from the jump. The 49ers' rumors are interesting. I mean, Giselle is not going to be any more happy, I don't think, with him playing in San Francisco than him playing in Tampa. I guess the 49ers could trade Jimmy Garoppolo to the Bucks for Brady and, you know, and other stuff. And they could keep Trey Lance on the bench again, but they traded a whole lot to get Trey Lance. Like, don't they want to see what he's got? It seems like it. Trey Lance is more conducive to the offense that Kyle Shanahan tries to run. They could have tried to get Tom Brady a couple years ago when they didn't get him. So, I don't know. Um, I agree with Dominique Foxworth that I don't think Brady would be set up for success just coming out of retirement midseason. As far as going to the 49ers, they're certainly... It's certainly plausible. He's from San Francisco. You know, they're going to move off Jimmy Garoppolo anyways. I mean, there is some plausibility to it. I just think they gave up a whole lot for Trey Lance. I mean, you know, what what the Packers are doing with Jordan Love, I mean, they're essentially wasting that draft pick. That's one draft pick. You would be wasting a whole lot of draft picks if you didn't give Trey Lance a fair shot. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. When we come back, I want to get back into the UVM story that we started with, and I might as well just—I might as well just hit play on a segment that I did in May. But we got to bring it to the table again today. That's next on DEV. Brady Farkas Show now has an interactive text line, so reach out now at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEV Radio. 
ProDriverTraining.com. Show brought to you in part by ProDriver Training. That's ProDriver Training, Vermont's premier truck driver training school, online at ProDriverCDL.com. We started off the show talking about some serious allegations and not the first allegations against UVM men's basketball, the program. This is this particular allegation of sexual assault was against a player that used to be in the program within the last couple of years. And I don't like to recycle content. I don't like to do the same show over and over again. I don't like to do the same segment over again. But in this case, I'm going to make an exception. You could basically hit play on a segment I did back in May because it stands now. If the University of Vermont wants to lessen and then hopefully eradicate sexual assault within its athletic department, look, this would go for the entire school, but as a sports show, I'm going to stick with just the problems in the athletic department allegedly right now. If they want to diminish and then eradicate sexual assault or physical violence allegations within the athletic department, there needs to be a gender-based class, like a separate class for each sex at UVM for athletes. And the class needs to be a real class that meets three times a week throughout a semester. I'm not talking about you show up to a guest speaker one time and sign a sheet and you don't pay attention through it. We've all been there in high school and college. You get credit for showing up and that's it. I'm not interested in that. That's not a solution. A one-time speaker is not a solution. A one-time meeting is not a solution. A one-time statement is not a solution. If you want to fix this issue, this alleged issue within your athletic department, athletes need to be forced to take a real class the moment they step on campus about relationships. Relationships, and they need to address real topics, physical violence, sexual violence, emotional abuse, everything that could be awful for victims, for your programs, and for your reputation. That is what needs to happen. I don't have all the answers. I'm sure even if you do what I'm saying, there's going to be at some point somebody who makes an awful choice. But that said, I believe that my plan will lessen the number of awful choices made. Again, the general student population could benefit from this class too, but the student-athletes really need this. Student-athletes need to learn how to relate to each other. They need to learn exactly and crystal clearly who is okay or what is okay, what is not okay, when it's okay, and when it's not, and they need to be taught because I think we all have this idea that when you go to college, you're armed with enough to be a generally decent person. Not everybody is. And if you want to, you know, we have all these classes that teach people about how to be good in professional life. How about a class that teaches you how to be good in real life too? That's what I'm calling for. It's worth whatever financial commitment it would take to get real professors in here. Uh, Somebody else says you're spot on, Brady. Uh, Thank you. I mean, this is what needs to happen. Hire the professors, bring in guest lecturers, bring in Zoom speakers. There's all kinds of things you can do. It would be powerful. It would hit home, and hopefully it will continue to hammer the point home. 
Again, a full semester class, not a, not a seminar, not a lecture, a full-time class that requires real reading, real work, real listening, and real conversation. And I do believe that the classes should be gender-specific because each gender deals with, with something a little bit different than the other one does. So all male athletes in one class, all female athletes taking the other. As men, I can only speak for men. As men going into college, we need to learn exactly how to relate to women, exactly how to converse with women, how to handle women, what happens when you get in conflict with a woman. You need to make sure that it does not turn emotionally abusive or physically violent. Men need to be taught that. Yes, we should know it inherently, but evidently enough people don't know how to deal with that stuff that there should that should be part of my class. And men need it reinforced over and over. Books, guest lectures, role-playing scenarios, learning when, you know, that no means no, and that any of the things that men would say, oh, she was just flirting, or oh, she was playing hard to get. No. Men need to be shown, taught, and learn exactly what is right, what is wrong, when it is right, when it is wrong. Picking up on female emotions, picking up on cues that something is making someone uncomfortable and to not push it any further. Men need to be taught this. This should be a class. Women need to have their own class too. Maybe the women's class has more self-defense elements. Maybe women's has, maybe the women's class has more uh, best practices for what happens when you go out. Maybe the women's class has a uh, we're going to meet the head of the university police. We're going to meet the head of the Title IX office. We're going to talk with the, the highest-ranking female official at the university so we actually know these people and can put a name to a face so that if something did happen, you feel comfortable enough to report it. And then I'm sure women could also benefit from understanding men and how to handle their emotions and making sure that something doesn't turn physical on the other end. This doesn't seem like that hard for me. This doesn't seem like that big an ask. And some of you out there are going to laugh at me and say, oh, it just takes being a good person. Yeah, it does, but evidently enough people are not good people to that this is the situation that we're running into. And if you want to help survivors, if you want to prevent their being victims, and you want to keep your programs and your athletic department in a positive light, then... This is what needs to happen. Classes where this is taught. Remember, we all took the D.A.R.E. class in like 6th grade or 5th grade on not doing drugs. We all took that in elementary school. Well, you need that for adults on really serious things. Sexual violence, you need counselors to come in. I, I, I think that this is the way to go. I think that this is the way to go. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, the basketball game, by the way, not to get too, not to deviate too much, the high school basketball game, we're going to have the coverage for you, is 7-15 now with tip-off. So we're going to have the coverage for you beginning at 7. So Brent Curtis will be on the coverage, will be on the call at 7 Thetford at Williamstown, so I will now take you up to the entire right until seven o'clock. So that is what we will do. So Brent Curtis at seven o'clock. But what are your thoughts on my? What are your thoughts on my suggestion? Because I'm tired of hearing stories like this, 
and I'm tired of seeing allegations and I'm tired of seeing people who have allegedly gone through trauma and I want to prevent it and I want to prevent it at UVM and I want it to be prevented within the athletic department and I want it to be prevented within the school as a whole. I think this class, this life class, this relationships class would actually be really beneficial. Does it solve everything? I'm sure it doesn't. Does it show you're making a concerted effort that you're really investing in it and that you're really trying? Yes, I would say that would be, I would say that this would prove that. Right now, it's not the case. Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio. Okay, I got that message from somebody a little while ago that said, what's going on with baseball? What do your insiders say? Well, our insiders say that, you know, things aren't so good right now. I mean, here's the story. Players and owners, they met yesterday, didn't go well. Lasted 15 minutes. That was it. Major League Baseball today came out and said that all spring training games through March 5th are canceled. So there will be no spring training games before March 5th. They have also said that there will be the regular season will not start on time if a deal is not reached by February 28th. We then find out today also that the players and owners are going to meet next week. They're going to meet on Monday, and they're allegedly going to meet every day until they figure out a deal. The players came back today and said that they didn't choose the lockout, that they, you don't have to be locked out, and that the owners, this is all they're doing. That's where we're at. The situation is not great. We had Buster only of ESPN on yesterday, and here's exactly what he told me. I mean, here is, let's see, we got the cut from Buster. Uh, okay, here it is. Uh, I do think that, you know, people on both sides are assuming to some degree that, well, the other side will eventually cave in, you know, that some of the owners will start to rattle the cages of their peers and say, look, we can't give up games. Um, you could say that about the players as well. You mentioned the fact that they're going to be giving up paychecks. What I'm really concerned is, is that both sides, as they say, are playing chicken, going toward the ledge at full speed and assuming the other side is going to call it off. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, so that's what Buster said yesterday. Today we say, you know, we learn that they're going to meet every day next week until they get a deal done. I'm on the player's side. Players shouldn't get every single thing that they want, but the owners have shown their true colors through this whole thing. And as an employee myself, I am taking the side of other employees. There's this thought that this battle is millionaires against billionaires. It's really not. 65% of the league makes under $1 million. I think 50% of the league made like the league minimum or under last year. So, yes, there are 100,000 heirs in some way, but they're, most of the league is not Mike Trout. So... uh the owners are the ones with the money, and they're the ones trying to keep it from the players as much as possible. The players have to give it somewhere at some point, but we need baseball. We need baseball. I, I will never go away from baseball. Baseball is not going to lose me. So that if baseball started on April 1st or May 1st or June 1st, I would still watch. But I don't know how many of you would. How many of you would be turned off by this? How many of you, if baseball wasn't around, just wouldn't care? I can tell you this. I, I am not a diehard hockey fan. I watch the Bruins. I know what's going on with the Bruins for work. Now that we're done with football, we'll start to talk more Bruins and more Celtics, as I said. So we'll get into some hockey. But I am not a diehard hockey fan. 
We had the lockout when I was like 13 or 14. I don't know that I ever would have gotten into hockey, but I can tell you that it just not being around for an entire year certainly didn't do any good for me at a young age. And how many of you, especially if they're, if you're young out there, have kids out there, how many of your kids just wouldn't care if baseball was gone? There's probably a good portion of them, and that's a problem. Uh, we get a message that says, thank you for the update. We need baseball. We do need baseball. This is what we do. Come springtime, this is what we do. Football's over. The Olympics are about to be over. We should be turning our attention to baseball. I should be giving you a spring training report every single day now from Fort Myers with the Red Sox. We should be talking about which prospects are going to make the roster. We should be talking about the idea that Kyle Glazer of Baseball America had that Bobby Dahlbeck play third base and maybe Rafael Devers doesn't. We should be talking about who are the Red Sox going to sign in the outfield because Jackie Bradley Jr. is not a 162-game-a-year player anymore. We should be talking about all of that. Instead, we're talking about labor issues, terms like competitive balance tax that most, most people don't care about, revenue sharing, luxury tax, arbitration, Super 2. We're talking about all kinds of things that most of you don't give a rip about. You want to talk about the things that I want to talk about. And the further removed we get to the further removed that we get from baseball supposed to be starting, the worse it's gonna be. Bob and Moncton, here we go. Let's see. Uh, Bob says making less than a million a year doesn't mean you're a millionaire. Five hundred K for a few years, you'd definitely be a millionaire. We do need baseball, but the general feeling feeling out here is millionaires against billionaires. I look, I mean, yes, in theory, you're right, um, Bob, that you know you could accumulate a couple of years worth of minimum salaries, but I mean, look, here here you go. You toil in the minors for six years and you make peanuts. We all know that. And there's a whole different battle there about about what minor leaguers get paid. You toil for them through the minors for six years and make nothing. Right? You make no money. Like the average AAA player makes like $16,000 for the year, I think I read. Triple A. So imagine what single A makes. So you toil for five, six years in the minors, and then you make three years of the league minimum. I mean, how much of that is just covering what you didn't get for the previous six years? I, I was, I'm reading all kinds of things from guys who are in their seventh year in the majors, and it's going to be their first year they're ever making a million dollars. So it takes a really long time to get to the point where you might be a millionaire for some of these guys. The owners are cleaning up. The owners are cleaning up, and they need to give something back. I don't need every player in the league to make $450 million a year. But the idea that a 32-year-old really good infielder, you know, who's really worth $40 million is only getting paid 12, something's got to change there. So I'm on the side of the players here. It's the Ready Farkas Show on WDEV. When we come back, we'll get an update again on the high school basketball situation. And then, something I've been sitting on for like two weeks. I want to know who the real Mac Jones is. I'll tell you why I'm thinking about that. That's next on DEV. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show, right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. 
Facebook.com. Sharon on the Facebook live feed says, toss the ball on baseball. Let's go racing. Well, we are going to go racing this weekend. We've got the Daytona 500 right here on this here signal. 1.30 on Sunday with the coverage. Daytona 500. Hard to believe. The Great American Race back at it again for another year. We had the clash at the Coliseum. That was fun a couple of weeks ago. Daytona 1.30 with the coverage on Sunday. We'll have it for you in its entirety right here on your racing station, WDEV. We're going to get an update on the situation at the high school basketball game. Remember, Thetford and Williamstown set to start about 7.15 today. I believe there's a pregame ceremony there, pretty important. Brent Curtis is going to call in here momentarily and give an update on that. But, uh, yeah, Sharon says, I can't toss the ball on. We do. We need baseball. We need baseball. I, I mean, <sighs> The last couple of years because of the pandemic have been weird, right? We've had a lot of sports at, you know, later than we should have and we're not used to, right? So we had the NHL, we had the NBA last year go into July. That's not going to happen this year. So the last couple of years that there was no baseball, you could kind of get around it, right? We had the bubble and then this and that and everything was disoriented. Well, right now we don't have that. So, you know, baseball, we're going to need baseball to be when baseball is supposed to be played. So, uh, once again, we need baseball. All right, now as I stutter through that because I'm trying to answer the phone, Brent Curtis is on the phone line with us now. Brent, you're live on the Brady Farkas Show. You're at Williamstown for Thetford against Williamstown. Game time is anticipated for 7.15. We're looking forward to hearing you around 7. Is that still the plan? Oh, wait. Do we have Brent? Hold on. Hold on. Take two. Brent, are you there? <laughs> I'm right here. There you go. What's going on? Uh, so the story here is the JV game is just uh, finished, and they're now setting up the uh, the uh, poster and all the other things that go with this uh, accreditation, if you will, this uh, homage to uh, Jack Carrier. It's all happening at midcourt, just now beginning. And the last word we had is that we will be doing a tip-off at 715. Uh, the gym is absolutely overflowing. Well, so we'll have uh, what we will do at 7 o'clock is we'll get the CBS News, so we plan on kicking it to you about 7.03 if that works. Let's keep our fingers crossed that that's <laughs> going to work because that's what we're going to go with, right? All right, Brent Curtis, we'll see you again in about 15 minutes. Thanks, Brady. All right, Brent from uh, Williamstown, the Blue Devils hosting the Panthers of Thetford. Okay, I want to know who the real Mac Jones is. Kind of my last thought on anything football game related is, and I – I didn't make a big deal about this a couple weeks ago because we had so much to talk about. Did you see Mac Jones at the Pro Bowl? Did you hear Mac Jones at the Pro Bowl? I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. I saw all the videos come out on social media just like you did. Mac Jones was really fun. And Zach Cox of Nesson pointed this out, that Mac Jones' personality was really on display. And my question is, if that's who Mac Jones is, then the Pats should let him unleash that next year because I found him to be really fun and really, really engaging. And I'm looking at it from this perspective. I don't think that, like, I want to know, is Mac Jones truly a fun-loving guy who the Patriots kind of suppressed last year? Or is he just a guy who had fun on vacation for a couple of days? Like, look at listen to Mac Jones mic'd up at the Pro Bowl. Wait, wait, bump me up, bump me up. Bump me up. Yeah, come on. All right, here we go. Same play on Omaha and Hunt. Right, right. 11-11. Here we go. Omaha's Hunt. 
Yeah! 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 Let's go! Boom! Woo! And then he was talking trash to Darius Slay of the Eagles. Where you at the whole drive? The whole drive. The whole drive you're, you're playing on your phone. What's up, bro? Remember when I torched y'all in training camp? It was like training camp when I torched y'all. Yeah. No way, when I went in. <laughs> so, I mean, there's Mac Jones having a lot of fun. I want to know if that's the real Mac, because if that's the real Mac, then I want to see more of that in 2022. You're going to play the best when you are yourself. Okay, you're going to play the best when you are yourself. You're at your best when you're being yourself. And if the Patriots made Mac be this kind of robot last year, and that's not really him, then I want to see the Pats loosen the reins. Look, if he's boring robot guy, fine. It worked for Eli Manning. It worked for Tom Brady. It worked for Drew Brees. It's worked for a lot of people. If that's who Mac Jones is, then be that guy. But if Mac Jones is the fun guy that I just heard there talking trash to Pro Bowl defensive backs, then that's the guy that I want him to be next year too. That is the guy that I want him to be next year also. Um, It's hard to believe. That probably is the last time that I'm going to talk about like a game, even though it's the Pro Bowl, you know, we don't have any games to talk about here. Texter comes in, Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line. That's the million dollar question. Who is Mac Jones really? Yes, that is exactly the million dollar question. I tend to think that Mac Jones has a personality, but he's played for Nick Saban. He's played for Bill Belichick so long now that I bet it's probably been kind of beaten out of him. That's just my gut. I think what you heard there was more of a deviation. Like, I think Mac Jones is going to remain the kind of boring guy at the podium that he's been. And if that's who he is more naturally, then again, I'm fine with it. If, if I'm fine with it. But if he was that guy, I'd want to see the personality come out more. So... Lots of stuff to watch this weekend, by the way. I'm pumped. I'm sad for the last couple of days of the Winter Olympics. I know there's some pairs figure skating tonight. We've got some, uh, I believe, some still some events. I think we might have the ski cross, like the thing Lindsey Jacob Ellis won, but on skis. We've got hockey. The gold medal game comes up, I believe, on Sunday late morning between Russia, the Russian Olympic Committee, and Finland. We've got the bronze medal game, I believe, late Saturday night into Sunday. So, Still some stuff to watch, still some stuff to see, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So hope everybody has a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoys it. Drive safe out there. I think the roads by now are pretty good for everybody, but drive safe. Reminder that tonight we've got Thetford and Williamstown basketball comes up, tip off in about 20 minutes. Tomorrow, Norwich hockey, the cadets taking on Babson. That is the New England Hockey Conference quarterfinal. And then Sunday, the Daytona 500 with our coverage beginning at 1.30. The full show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at WDEVradio.com. Thank you to Taylor Coppenrath for stopping by, the former UVM basketball star who's headed to the Vermont Sports Hall of Fame. Like I said, I think we're going to get – there's eight inductees. Some of them are still living. We're going to do our best to get all the ones that we can here on this show. I know Taylor Coppenrath is going to go on with Rick Singeri on Vermont Viewpoint in the next couple of weeks, so I look forward to hearing Rick's interview with him as well. So I'll see you tomorrow. No, I won't. I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll be back at it on Monday. We'll see you then on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV.